Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, Notre Dame fans, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, September 11th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley of Irish Illustrated. We are joined by John Bryce of Football Scoop. And Notre Dame is a couple days removed from a 45 to 24. I got the score right now. 45 to 24 victory over NC State. That's a deceiving score. It was closer than that. But Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame was better in sudden change at the end of the game in the fourth quarter than NC State was and came out with a victory. Guys, uh, jump in. We, we talked with uh, Marcus Freeman. For about a half hour today, wrapping up NC State, slight look ahead to Central Michigan, and even slighter look ahead to Ohio State. Tim, how often do you think you can say it was closer than that, than the score indicates when the other team got closer because of a last-minute garbage touchdown, too? Like, they were well, up 45-17 right. right. on it this should have been a four-touchdown uh, game. But you're right. At one point in the third quarter, late in the third quarter, uh, 24-17, Sam Hartman fumbles, and you start thinking to yourself, Notre Dame has controlled this game the entire time. It would be a real shame if this game is tied going into the fourth quarter and right away, the sudden change defense stepped up. Uh, it was the red zone stop that Notre Dame needed against a real team. Uh, NC State was two for three in the red zone. Had, had they been three for three, the score would not have ended up being 45-24. We, all game pressure would have come back into the situation. A lot more to like than not to like um, and I don't just mean the end result, but other than game flow in terms of the offensive line consistently creating space, I thought Notre Dame had a tremendous opening act on the road against a quality power five team. I completely uh, agree with both of you guys. And, and especially we learned so much more about Notre Dame in this game because it finally did have to respond to in-game adversity against a high quality opponent. Uh, I still point to the fact that Notre Dame controlled this game, and it, it seemed like the only reason that NC State hung around was as much because uh, Notre Dame at times let NC State hang around unintentionally, of course, but that was just the, the flow of the game. So I, I think we learned uh, a, a great deal about Notre Dame's ability to respond to adversity in a game on the road with stakes that mattered. And and look, let's um, without nitpicking it too much, let's point out the fact that the Notre Dame – led by double digits in the first half and led by double digits in the third quarter. And it finished leading by double digits, the final 11 and a half minutes of the game. Notre Dame controlled this game. It had moments where uh, NC state had opportunities to, to sneak back into it fully, um, but Notre Dame stood tall. I think that's uh, an encouraging thing. Thoroughly impressed with the way Notre Dame handled the elements of the moment being on the road, torrential downpour, as we all know, an hour and 45 minute or what, whatever it was delay, you're on the road in a, in a, in a tough environment, a tougher environment, certainly than Notre Dame has faced uh, through the first couple games of the year. Those were home crowds and they handled it. I, I, I just, I, you know, I can't, I wrote about it in, in the, the point after Sunday morning. I, I, I can't be more impressed with the job that, that Marcus Freeman is doing, what his coordinators did against the veteran coaching staff at NC State. I know people want to downplay how good or bad NC State is. They're a formidable opponent on the road who has been difficult to beat at home, and Notre Dame ended up handling them, as as you said, uh, Tim, I, I, you know, it was a four-touchdown game, which, I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's still, it's hard to fathom. No, it didn't seem like a four-touchdown game, but, no, yeah, I think Notre Dame yeah. handled them. Yeah, they handled them, but in, in fairness, uh, it was one quarter of, tough sledding the first quarter Notre Dame did nothing and on offense and thankfully the defense rose to the occasion because NC State spent the first quarter near or in Notre Dame near mid near midfield I should say it wasn't like they were always in Notre Dame territory but near midfield always with a chance to have a field goal drive at least when Notre Dame is punting the ball back to them from deep in their own end I thought the D did great that's why I really like doing the report card now Tim as I'm going over everything I'm like there is nothing about this defense that wasn't an A minus or something along those lines. Like they did so many things well, they had to do well. Like the days of stopping a team from scoring completely are going are over for most programs. It, it, you, the best defense of the country would not have allowed NC State to score 
one of those touchdowns. But other than that, Notre Dame is playing very good defense. I don't think I'm not saying they're elite defense, but they are going to bring defense every game to the equation because their backs were really against the wall in this game in the first quarter. It could have been 10 nothing NC State easily if Notre Dame's defense didn't rise to the occasion after a bunch of three and outs. And and not just three and outs, but but NC State had uh, terrific field position in those situations yep. as well. I mean, they were they were living almost uh, at midfield, like every series was a coin toss. Uh, but but Notre Dame's defense stiffened. And to your point, Tim, uh, about the overall defensive production, I, I charted this in in the fifth quarter. I had Notre Dame's defense with twenty two impact plays. By that I mean eight passes broken up, six quarterback hurries three tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, and three interceptions. That's that's winning football uh, 12 out of 12 times when your defense does that. And that speaks to, uh, Tim, your your stat after the game, what was it, 18, you didn't yeah. say. Eight, no, eight, coverage wins, 18 coverage, coverage wins, wins. Yeah. where a coverage ball was, wins. you know, a, a throw was fine, a throw was fine, a catchable ball, and yeah. Notre Dame's defense made the plays. And that wasn't all secondary. Uh, that was mostly secondary, but you have to include Bertrand and Leofile in there on a couple key plays. Leofile in the first quarter, was it the first, it was the first half at least, where there's a ball down the sideline. And I'm like, wow, Maris Leofile was running with that guy. That is, uh, those are huge plays that a guy that's a, a, as aggressive as Leofile is can turn and run as well in those situations. I can't, I can't gush enough about the game that Maris Leofile played. I, I, I mean, I thought that in person, from the press box, having rewatched the game last night, he was incredible. He affects the game against the run, rushing like we the thought passer. he was going to a long time ago. Right? Yeah, I mean, against <laughs> the run, rushing the passer, and as you said, trailing a receiver yeah. downfield and 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 blanketing him. He is a he was a monster on on Saturday. Howard Cross was a monster on Saturday, and to this point, two point eight yards per rushing for NC State, eighty four yards net rushing we're going to get a lot into the pass rush when we get into the second right. segment with with questions and and in the the first of which we'll we'll ask about you know maybe Nordame's not getting a greater pass rush with their defensive line because it, especially in this instance they were trying to keep Brennan Armstrong in check and I hadn't really thought of it in those terms but that's exactly right uh and again we'll get we'll get into that more but I couldn't be more impressed with what the defense has done. Hey, check it out. Notre Dame is 11th in the country in defensive touchdown percentage after finishing 131st last year. Now, they gave up a couple scores this time around, but. Oh, in the red zone. Yeah, red zone touchdown yeah, Did I not yep. say that? Red zone, yeah. Um, so they're, they've improved there. It. We know that we should have known. We talked about this. Notre Dame's defensive ends going into the season aren't. I mean, aren't game breakers, uh, you know, as pass rushers. So they're going to have to create. We'll get more into that a little bit more. But I do want to talk about the unbalanced line that that Jared Parker went to. Uh, again, for those that, that just listened to our podcast, there's way more information on all of this in today's Tale of the Tape on NC State. Um, they, they're, they, they're just doing – in three games now, Notre Dame is playing quality football. We can nitpick, and that's what we do for a living. When we will, we won't shy away from any of that. But if you add everything up that Notre Dame is doing against and now against the first quality opponent, they're just playing really, really good, mature, fundamentally sound, except for those 10 penalties, uh, which is a big number. I didn't even it realize. It is a big number. You, you shouldn't have 10 penalties on the road and win by 21 points against a, decent, a team that's no. going to be over 500. That you, you can't keep having – you can't have 10 penalties against Ohio State or Clemson or USC. That's just not – No, but, it, you know, I mean, and it. NC State had had eight, and it, it, it was – But they should sloppy. have eight. <laughs> NC that's State is not as good times. of a team. You know, it's just how – many, hey, How many times do you see a game where each team had 16 possess, possessions? Yeah, that was that was nuts. <laughs> well, but that's because a lot of them lasted about a minute and a half on those three yeah, and outs going true. through the game. Very true. Yeah, I, I think the Holden stays emergence in the game. Jaden Greathouse making another important play. Tobias Merriweather making a play that was that's huge news. He can grow from there. That is the next step for me is seeing Holden stays do it again next week or maybe in two weeks. I guess much more. It'd be good if Holden stays does it again against Central as well. But seeing Holden stays make plays against Ohio State, seeing Jaden Greathouse do that, and Tobias Merriweather, then you don't have to have a sixty catch guy if three can come along and help Jaden Thomas and they needed it because Jaden Thomas after that non-catch 
did not have a great day. He was not involved much, was not targeted much. I thought he would have, I thought if you told me that Jaden Thomas had the stats, it's complete no-show stats, basically, I would have thought Notre Dame was in a lot of trouble going in the fourth quarter. Well, and, and again, he showed his maturity because he was still an effective blocker. Yeah. On some oh, yeah. Plays, and as we've already, well. yeah, exactly. And as we've already alluded to in, in some different instant analysis settings, as well as maybe a previous podcast, Sam Hartman distributes the ball so well uh, that I think that it negates needing a guy that, that's a 60 catch guy. Of course, that's a luxury you would like to have, but right now, um, defenses can't say we're going to take away Audric Estime and we're going to take away this one receiver and Notre Dame's going to be bent. That's not the case. I mean, Notre Dame, as I noted, has 11 different players who have scored a touchdown. Eight different guys have caught a receiving touchdown. Holden Stays and Jaden Greathouse each have three receiving touchdowns. There's just so much to like about the offensive diversity and then the versatility of the defense. I want to point out, you know, because – I mean, in addition to the the, the forty five yarder by Merriweather, and should he have should he have run away from a linebacker? Well, Wilson's a good linebacker, whatever. But he did an outstanding job blocking in this game, and <laughs> none better than the eighty yard run by Audric Estime when Merriweather literally blocked one guy and shielded another at the same time as as Estime was breaking through the hole. Again, go to Irish Illustrated. Dot com to get the full breakdown of that 80 yard play and exactly what they what they did. But Merriweather um has become a heck of a blocker. I, I I know he's not overly strong, but you can compensate by proper technique. And um he hasn't done a whole lot in the passing game, but he has done quite a bit in the last couple of weeks as a blocker. And so that's that's really commendable. That's that's what you look from a player. If you're not if you're not making a major contribution in one area of your game, there's another area where you can contribute, and he's done that. They need him to keep getting 45 yard catches too. Though. They do need it's that important. too. They need that. They, they need, need that. that too. All right, we're gonna we're we are going to uh, uh, get into all that in the second segment. But whether you are attending Notre Dame games in person or watching from home, you have to look the part of an Irish fan. We've partnered with Home Field Apparel to get you looking like a true fan on game days. Home Field is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with the discount code of Irish Illustrated. It's the perfect apparel for the football season, so check them out. Segment two, coming up, burning up the boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Irish Fan 3. Can you evaluate the pass rush and explain how much the lack of pressure from the front four alone was due to containing Armstrong and staying in lanes? Will the pass rush hold this defense from being elite? I like this question, Irish fan three, and I and I didn't comment on the D-line staying in their lanes to con- contain Armstrong, but absolutely that was a part of it. Marcus Freeman addressed that today. That that was huge. Like if you I know like a lot of people were down on Jordan Botello. Jordan Botello played the best game of his life in terms of playing team defense because he did not veer out of his lane and did not let Brennan Armstrong kill them with his feet. How many teams are going to hold Brennan Armstrong to 26 yards rushing on 12 carries this year? I can't believe 
that there's going to be another team or two that does that. That was a big part of it. We'll talk more about the pass rush as we move forward because obviously the front four itself is not going to be able to get that done. And Marcus Freeman pretty much said that today. And again, uh, to your point on Brennan Armstrong, a fabulous one, part of fabulous run defense overall by Notre Dame, 30 tries by NC State for 84 total yards. Obviously, that's well less than three yards per carry. Armstrong averaged 2.2 yards per carry. Um, I might point out with two days extra rest, they played on Thursday night the week before when they had nearly 100 yards rushing against UConn. So um, I like what Notre Dame did there. I think that um, keeping Armstrong bottled up kept him from improvising and making even more plays in the throw game. Um, Bertrand did a nice job of spying while he was in there on some situations, and they just did a good job of corralling him and making sure when they did get a helmet on him, they brought him down. You didn't see Armstrong tear free from a Notre Dame defender and turn a four-yard gain into a 24-yard gain. I found that significant. And I know uh, pro football focus tends to be a little high in their pressure count. And one of the reasons for that, if people are where you get 22 um, pressures, pro football focus is rating the player each time. So on a particular snap, like let's, in the first quarter, J.D. Bertrand rush Maris Leofel flushed Brennan Armstrong. J.D. Bertrand went out and hurried him for an incomplete pass. For pro football focus, those are two pressures. For when you're counting a pressure in terms of Notre Dame and NCA statistics, that's one pressure. You can't give two. So with with these numbers, keeping bearing these numbers in mind, that information, 22 pressures in a game is a very good job by Notre Dame. Now that's not 22 drop back passes. Of course, that's what are you going to guess? It's probably 12, 12, maybe 13 passes that are involved, but four from Howard cross, three from Riley Mills, two from Jason Anye, two from Jordan Botello, one from Tui Halamaka and one from Donovan Heinish and Javante Jean-Baptiste off the quick count. That's 13 pressures by the defensive line. And, and if you just said it that way, people would not be so worried about the pressures coming from the defensive line. And, and Brennan Armstrong had a long run of nine yards, which means his other 11 official carries went for a total of 17 yards. So you take that again, that's a huge win for the Notre Dame defense. And wasn't the nine yard run a third and 15 where he was flushed from the pocket and JD Bertrand just waited for him and tackled him. It was an, it was the least impressive run of the day for, for Brennan Armstrong because it didn't do right. any good. Right. Yeah. I, Tim, we were talking about last week, how, how many rushing first downs he had had Brennan Armstrong in the last over a hundred. Yeah. Uh, now. So how many do you think he had? He had, like, uh, including the touchdown, because Tim Priester, as you know, touchdowns can be first downs as well as the downs of the yeah. press box. He had two. Yeah. He had two first downs rushing. So, I mean, that is they they just did an, an incredible job. And and I'm not sure if I'm going to step over a question here, but you know, pass rushes, pass rush isn't and and this is addressed in uh, tail tape. Pass rush isn't just sacks. It's remember the time when Armstrong the rush immediately hit him and he just he clocked the ball. You know, not not to stop the yeah. clock, but he just threw it into the ground. That's pass rush. I mean, there, there Nording's linebacking core put a ton of pressure on him. And I, and I did, I asked uh, Marcus Freeman about this. Can you live without just your, you know, uh, your four man, four defense linemen providing the rush? And his answer was, we're going to have to. So that tells you where they are. As long as they can adjust their coverage on the back end to accommodate you know, losing a losing a body on the second level, uh, it's great. Maris Leifau was absolutely fantastic in this game. Uh, I, I mean, I can't say enough about how well he played. He provided pass rush. I know it's not the conventional way, but we know going into the season, yeah. like, just because you're playing good football and you're rising up doesn't mean that all of your problems go away. Notre Dame does not have a great pass rushing uh, defensive end room right now. Uh, I so have to do things to compensate next year, maybe by the end of this year, that Josh Burnham will be Notre Dame's next I, very good pass I, rusher. I agree. I agree. I actually thought we'd see see him more. I'm interested to see what his snap count is this week, Tim, because I don't uh, think it's as high as I expected. Tui Halamaka got a lot of time. Um, yeah, he did. But he's maybe probably had a really good week of practice. And I mean, Tui Halamaka, I shouldn't say this is not fair to Burnham, but. Burnham went ahead of Tui Halamaka by so much in camp because Tui Halamaka missed some time and Burnham did not. When you're right. cold, when you're even, that happens. You're you're out of luck. That's, Tui Halamaka played. Though. He he did a lot of good things in in the second half. Uh, Burnham seven. was nine snaps and uh, Tui Halamaka was seventeen. So that is, I mean, 
he doubled it up. It would be you would you would have expected the other way around. Hey, very quickly to be fair to the people that keep asking about the pass rush and sacks, they do need more than twelve sacks this year. Well, there's no doubt about that. I, I understand <laughs> it's, it's fine. That, it's fine. Yeah. I understand that it's not enough actual sacks, yeah. but when when a when a quarterback is giving up on a on a play immediately. Completely agree. I, the pass, I've lauded the pass rush. I'm just yeah, saying there, there is a side to this. They have to create some Notre, havoc with second. Notre Dame had three interceptions. That's pass rush too. It's it it it, it encompasses a lot of different things. And they need more sacks, granted, but you cannot serve every master in every football game. You right. just can't. There are too many facets of it. Like they're not getting the ball to the tight ends enough. Well, they probably didn't throw to the tight ends because they knew they were going to want to and have to against NC State. You can't serve every master in a football game. There are too many components to it. Related question from Andy Davis. Can Andy continue to scheme around the lack of truly dynamic play at wide receiver? Go ahead, JB. Yeah, just cleaning up that last one, too, I would point out. That's five interceptions on the year for Notre Dame now against really only two teams. In two games, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. who had a modicum of a passing attack. So um, a a lot of ways those interceptions are, are... count as sacks to me, or or there's certainly impact defensive plays. I, I fully believe Notre Dame, because of Sam Hartman, can work around not having one dynamic Marvin Harrison Jr. type of wide receiver on this team. There's just, look, this Notre Dame offense is too versatile right now. And again, it's not just, they can't just take away Audric, as I've already mentioned, or they can't just take away Jaden Thomas. Um, you can't even just take away Audric Estime and Jadarian Price because Jeremiah Love looks like a threat to explode on a long one at any point in time. Jabron Payne could probably start for a lot of people. Um, you're developing more in your tight end throw game with Holden Stays. You're expecting to get Eli Raritan back again sooner rather than later. Not this week, but there's optimism he'll be back very soon. Uh, and then you have guys like Jaden Greathouse emerging. Rico Flores still has some big moments in him, I believe, this year. So, yeah, I think because of Sam Hartman, because of the offensive diversity and what they can do in so many different ways, um, that, that makes a huge difference. And, look, let's not gloss over the fact eight different guys have caught a touchdown pass for Notre Dame already through three games. Eleven different players have scored. It's much more difficult for a defensive coordinator to say, what can I take away when there's so many different things to try and take away? Well, here's here's the flip side for me, and here's the thing. In two weeks, you have Ohio State, and you're going to face a whole a, a bunch of good good defensive backs. And you know, if you don't have a go to guy, then you've got then you've got average wideouts running around there. And I'm not sure how they're going to beat Ohio State secondary. But the point I, point taken certainly, and 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 that's been the great thing about a having Sam Hartman slash B. Uh, Jared Parker and the way they've been able to distribute the football around you need that if you don't have a dynamic one one two guy at wide receiver you are going to have to spread the wealth and distribute the football and and take advantage of all the positions that you throw to Um, Marcus Freeman talked about today they throw to the running backs but the tight ends look I, I look at Holden stays now that he's broken out a little bit I mean, seriously, why why shouldn't he be a 25, 30, 35 oh, catch yeah. guy? He has yeah, I think he will. I mean, he should be. He has the skill set, his ability to make twisting catches. Tim, it goes back to the first play we saw him make in, in preseason practice last year. We were two football fields over. Maybe people are tired of hearing about this play, but from two football fields over, you could see the majestic play that Holden stays made on a ball that he had to go up and twist to make the catch for. And we saw that again on Saturday. I think he's a dynamic player. He does not have to be a, you know, just a supplementary guy in this passing game. Uh, heck JB, maybe he becomes the premier. <laughs> premier yeah, I mean, Jaden Greathouse, I think has a chance to do that too. Well, both of those guys, though, have great frames that help Sam Hartman yep. even more. And both of those guys are growing into using those frames on the field, which I think is significant. And one more thing on the Ohio State secondary, even though we're not supposed to jump ahead, is, um, I mean, they let, 
Youngstown State this past weekend complete something like um, 68% of its passes. Not great yardage, but they weren't just completely bottling up Youngstown State and FCS foe. And we'll learn a lot more truly, I think, about the Ohio State secondary this week against Western Kentucky. It's not the Western Kentucky that had Bailey Zapp a couple of years ago, now the backup quarterback for the New England Patriots, but it's still Tyson Helton running a wide open offense that tries to move the ball primarily through the air. So I think we'll have a better grasp on Ohio State's secondary after this weekend. Tim, your perspective on any Davis's uh, question? I I, th- I mean, I think they could use a consistent Jaden Thomas to go with the developing. I, I, we had Jaden Thomas as the developing go-to guy before he had a not great game or not a good game catching the ball against he got, knocked, so they, he got knocked around by their safeties. Yeah. Uh, you need Jaden Thomas to continue to progress to help Greathouse and stays as much. I I, I'll all know how much I like Jaden Greathouse. I mean, we ranked him in our top 20 in our preseason countdown, too, as a true freshman. But uh, you're going to his snap counts down for a reason. It's because there's a lot of stuff they do that he probably can't do yet as yep. a true freshman. So you're yep. going to need you're going to need Jaden Thomas to jump up. Yep. Question from Hayden at Hayden Adams Z. Would you say that Nordames? Play action success Saturday was more a result of A, the quarterback, B, the overhyped NC State defense, or C, just taking what is there. It feels like in the past, the Irish offense would bang its head against the wall rather than take what the defense gives it. We have quarterbacks number one here. So go ahead, JB. Quarterbacks number one in case you don't don't say something different on that one. (laughs) I I hate to sound like like a broken record over here, but yeah, this offense is capable of doing that. A year ago, Notre Dame's offense could not do that. Notre Dame was so much easier to scheme against a year ago because it was so limited. It was so constrained. It was Michael Mayer if it wasn't a run play, and then it was, oh, no, what happens if Michael Mayer is bracketed and we can't run the ball? And I just think right now this is an offense doing a great job of taking what it can and, again, giving more and more on tape each week for those quality, higher-quality opponents that are coming down the road to have to look at more and more about this Notre Dame offense, and we've still not seen everything from this Notre Dame offense. Is there anything do you, I don't think the overhyped part yeah. is, applies. Yeah, NC State's not overhyped. No, their Nordic, offense is not that good. No, their, their offense is isn't that good. No, their receivers yeah. aren't that good, but they're not overhyped defensively. Nordane's 456 yards would have been the most gained by any opponent against NC State last year, and I believe it was only – well, it was actually Wake Forest. Wake Forest was the only opponent that gained more than 400 yards against NC State last year. They're not overhyped. They're good, which is why Nordheim struggled out of the gate. But then you had Sam Hartman and Jared Parker calling a great game. And the, and, and Nordheim eventually carved out 456 yards. There is one thing to throw in here about, um, I mean, the offense is way more fun to watch this year than last year. But I will point out that Drew Pine in play action last year, it was only 29% of dropbacks for Drew Pine. 11 touchdowns, one interception. Well, you better so, respect. You they better. Were ter- respect they were Sam terrible. Hartman. I mean, Tommy Reese wasn't terrible with play action last year. It's just <laughs> Drew Pine wasn't as good of a quarterback, and he couldn't miss. It. But he's eleven touchdowns and one pick is really good. And I point that out because Sam Harbin, before he got to Notre Dame, was not a heavy play. Now on slow mesh, that's play action. Uh, so I mean, we, you don't know, reach it that way. But he was not a standard play action quarterback until he got to Notre Dame. Defenses have to respect play action with Notre Dame's running backs. You have to, yes, especially if it like if estimates in the game, if 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 a linebacking core is not properly positioned and prepared for an estimate handoff, you're in trouble. I bring that up though because I did ask Tommy Reese last year, "Can you do more play action?" Just because like it always works. Maybe you should be doing more of it, but of course, it's not that simple. But uh, they are going to be able to do a lot of play action this year because of Sam Hartman as well. If if, if Drew Pine could succeed with basically two targets last year, I think Sam Hartman can succeed passing the ball over the place and play action pass. You're going to know why I included this question from Irish from A2. I'm ready to hop on the Maris Leofile hype train. Who is the conductor? I think I'm one of them anyway. Yeah, I got a different answer for you. You know who the conductor is? Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, which is why Maris Leofile played 584 snaps last year because they knew what they had in Maris Leofile. It just wasn't there yet fully. Uh, They love Leofile. Marcus Freeman talked about it. Priester and I, when I wasn't stuck in Aspen this year for our interview with Marcus Freeman, had an interview with Marcus Freeman two years ago, and we mentioned Maris Leofile coming back from injury, and he gave us this look like, oh, yeah, he's coming. They thought Maris Leofile would be farther along. It probably wasn't fair. 
Marius Leofau was not all the way back mentally from that injury, and he just wasn't an experienced player. He is now. And he, he played the second most snaps of anybody on the team Saturday. He had 70 snaps uh, and just super highly effective. He is so advanced from a, a mental standpoint. He's benefited from being around and being able to absorb some of the knowledge of a J.D. Bertrand and a Jack Kaiser. And because of that, he's playing more freely to show off his, his very tremendous athletic skill set. Have I reminded you of the former Nordane football player that told me that Leah Fowl was not a good athlete and he was not quick and he did not deserve uh, a shot at starting again in 2023. Wow. He's not a, not a coach you're saying, right? Well, and I, I completely disagree. This was before any of what's happened the last couple of weeks. I would I, hope so. <laughs> completely. completely. I disagreed with it then. And I don't know that I was real strong in saying, you know, he's not completely back from his, his injury, but obviously that was it because that dude was a monster on Saturday. Uh, again, on the rushing the quarterback, defending the run, defending the pass. On so many different levels, he impacted that game uh, for Brennan Armstrong and the NC State offense. I apologize to ND by 10 because he asked a question we have covered seven times in this podcast alone. Is Holden Stays emerging as the go-to receiver they've been looking for? I mean, I think he is... He's one one A. He's one B. We can we Jaden Thomas had one game where he did not play well. Let's keep him in mind. Yeah. So Denver. Yeah. I mean, that's let's be fair, right? That's it was one game for Jaden Thomas. Now it was the hardest matchup he's had. So to be fair, both sides. One game for Holden stays too. So he still has to prove it. But I but I think that was more oppor. That was an opportunity. I, I don't think he was given a whole lot of opportunities. They did scheme him up. The first touchdown scheme beautifully. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, well, the second touchdown scheme beautifully for him. Jared Parker's doing a hell of a job, JB. Jared Parker's doing a tremendous job, and that uh, is probably going to carry us into our, our next question. Um, but, yeah, I like Holden Stays. I like the fact that, again, defensive coordinators right now can't say we're taking away X, Y, and Z, and, and Notre Dame's not going to have anything left in its al- offensive alphabet. That's just not the case. This is a great question from Denver Maximus. What have you learned, both good and concerning, about this team after three games. Well, I mean, the topic of the day is the, is getting pass rush from from the defensive line. But with that, again, I know I know that we talked about that. Well, I, you know, during the first rate series, when when I, I, you know, my I don't remember exactly where I had Notre Dame, but I mean, I know it was impacted by the fact that we didn't think that 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 unit itself could generate a pass rush, and that's been. That's not been the case at all at Notre Dame in recent years. They've had a whole, they've had a slew of pass rushers and they just don't have any that are, that are proven right now. That's, that's probably, you know, that's one. And then the wide receivers ability to take over a game is another, another, although, you know, Chris Tyree, when we were talking about guys making plays, Chris Tyree keeps making a play, at least a play per game, right? 12 of those would be great. Yeah. 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 And, um, what what I've learned, I would agree. Uh, there is some concern about the pass rush. However, um, in defense of the defensive line, they've been pretty effective against the run game. You would be far more concerned if the D-line was getting blown off the ball on the ground game and then also couldn't generate a rush. And so the fact that the D-line has been pretty staunch against the run game, you've got year two of Al Golden, you've got these experienced linebackers. We're seeing a level of athleticism uh, not seen previously from Maris Leofow. All of that ties in together, and you've got a deeper, uh, more versatile secondary with so many different guys that can fill so many different roles that also have some ball skills, again, as evidenced by the, the by the five interceptions. So though that all ties together. That's the one little bugaboo, I guess. I'm still not as concerned uh, in the throw game, primarily because of Sam Hartman. I think he negates just having to absolutely have that alpha uh, wide out, not that you wouldn't take it. And then what I've learned positively is that this is a team that, that developed an edge all throughout camp that had a a certain uh, chip on its shoulder, but also had a certain swagger. I'm continuing to see that unfold, and I will continue to harp uh, all the way back to pointing it out in Ireland that I love Marcus Freeman calling these timeouts in the last two minutes of a half of the first half because of the message that it sends to everybody on that team, one through 85 and all 10 of his assistant coaches. Again, I'm going to write more about that this week. I just don't think you can put a price tag value on that because it's a priceless, it's a priceless vote of confidence from him. Tim, where are you on Notre Dame's offensive line? 
I, well, I want to this comment. Is my, this is my answer because what I've learned is that I like watching quarterbacks that are good at football. It's more fun than watching <laughs> quarterbacks that aren't good at football. That's my number one takeaway from what I've learned this year. And my concern is the offensive line. Uh, if you're going to have, I know the 80 yard carry counts. People lose their minds when you say these things, but if you're going to have 29 carries for 117 yards and 11 stuffs mixed in there, otherwise you're not going to control every game because if Ohio state, and USC or Clemson and maybe Duke have you in third and eight, it could look a little different. I, I would agree. And they have two young guards going against a defensive line that allows 3.3 per carry throughout the whole la- last year. Let's not get, I'm not saying you to, let's not get carried away with one, with one game. And I realize that look, a lot of people are saying Blake Fisher's not playing at a high level. I know he gave up the pass rush early. I, I, I am not down on the offensive line because I know they have two new offensive guards. I'm not saying you said that. I, I know they have two new offensive guards. I think they're making progress. I I, I generally like what Coogan and Spindler have done. You have a great player at left tackle. Uh, you know, Fisher is probably banged up. I, he just didn't move his feet on, you know, he Corral. didn't against Tennessee State either. He didn't move his feet. Oh, and so, you know, I, I'm not sure what the issue is there because we know he's capable, but I'm not down on this offensive line because we all know every year it takes yes. a little while for them to, to gain their cohesion. They just went against an extremely good run defense and got exposed at times. And, hey, Tim, welcome to my world uh, posting grades for uh, pa- passing game, running game, passing defense, et cetera. Oh, I, really, I enjoy it. It gets the whole thing going there. It's uh, I, I just can I can kind of relate it to I used to read. uh there's an Italian genius. He's a physicist, and I didn't understand what he was saying either. But um, I understand now how, how he felt when people read yeah. his stuff and didn't get what he was saying. So yeah, there's no way you can give a grade and and have people in agreement with us. And, and well, here's and, the problem: the, the only thing, the only grade that I would even listen to somebody say something to is the coaching grade. But I don't know where else to put ten penalties. I don't know right. where else to put ten right. penalties. Like, right. here's the thing: okay, obviously the coaching grade could be an A. They won by 21 points at North Carolina, and at 42 points scored after after a rain delay. They had 10 penalties. If Notre Dame had zero penalties, what do you say about the coaching staff? Oh my God, they're so well coached. Well, then the 10 penalties has to go the other way. Other, so we're just going to put it all on the players? Right. Marcus Freeman talked about 10 penalties today. Like, it's a thing. So I know that they, <laughs> the coaching staff beat NC State's coaching staff. Shouldn't have had 10 penalties. If you had zero penalties, you really would have beaten NC State's coaching staff. As I encourage everyone, uh, our subscribers in particular, read the narrative yes, first. not the grade. And then realize that the grade <laughs> is very subjective because there are so many moving parts. I'm sensitive about those kind of things, but boy, I'm glad it's in your lap now. <laughs> it's all right. Well, Genius I, is hard to understand, guys. Not everybody can do it when they read things. So I, I give people, I got to cut some people some slack. What's and, that? What's that? I was just going to say real, real quickly on the uh, the the recurring theme about questioning the wideouts is, um, yeah, you want to continue to see more of that, but but through three games, I think Southern Cal t- uh, has thirteen passing touchdowns and Notre Dame has twelve, and Sam Hartman has only played into the fourth quarter uh, of one game. Really didn't play the entire second half against Tennessee State, um, and Notre Dame has more rushing yards than USC. So again, it, it all ties together. Um, but yeah, I give the coaching staff a tremendous amount of credit, especially on intangible components and the, the pass rush, uh, even tying it into that earlier question. I don't think the lack of a, a sack master like Isaiah Foskey precludes this defense from potentially being top end elite because of the sum of the parts. Now, you know, I agree. I but when, you need the- a, when, when you need a big sack at the, in a big game at the moment, you need a great player. I don't need to defend Caleb Williams much in life, but when I saw his stats, I was like, huh, they only threw 21 times. Nope. That was 19 to 21 in the first half. He sat out the second half. So they yeah. had, they had, yeah, they had exactly. a way with Stanford as well. Question from new England indie fan. Does the boom or bust offense continue this season? The six, three and outs were 40% of the possessions and led to losing the field position battle. But the big plays from estimate Merriweather Tyree stays and Sherwood outnumbered them by my count. Uh, it, continues as long as my concern of the offensive line continues and as soon as they gel and they won't have three and outs anymore and you won't need boomer bust but if your offensive line is going to be erratic at times you'll have some three and outs that was a crazy amount of three and outs but let's say they were one first down and four or five and out that's my only concern is you're not grinding out 
five yes, yard if you, runs. If you're if you're methodical, then you're not hitting big plays. And yeah. if you hit big plays, then you're not marching the ball down the field. Uh, you can't serve. You can't be good at everything in one game. It can't. Would, would you guess Boomer Bust continues? I say yes. Um, I would. I would contend that. Um, yeah, it may. It may continue a little bit longer, but I think this week against Central Michigan is a great chance to begin to form a bit more cohesion along the offensive line and a bit more consistency and push along the offensive line. We haven't yet had to see Notre Dame in a situation that I think we all saw from Texas late Saturday night when it put Alabama away with a run game that hadn't been that good to that point, but with a run game that on third and seven, they dial up a run they moved the sticks. It effectively ended the game. They owned Alabama in the trenches in the fourth quarter. We haven't had to see Notre Dame put away a game that could be one scary score and an onside kick away from everybody scraping their fingernails on their chairs. We just haven't had to see that. Um, I think, again, this offensive line isn't playing its best football right now, and that's not a bad thing. You don't need it to be playing it. You need it to be continuing to improve every week. And we're seeing it not only improving, I think, but also we're seeing uh, it should benefit greatly from last week at NC State. And we're also seeing wrinkles and confidence in that line with what Jared Parker did. Tim, will it be boomer bust against Ohio State? Probably. And it should be for Ohio State's offense as well. It should be that kind of game. It shouldn't be against Louisville. I really don't think that it has to be against Duke, although I respect anything Mike, Mike Elko does. It probably will be some boom or bust against Pitt, but not against USC. Well, I hope not because last year, my basis of Notre Dame upsetting USC was they were going to be able to run the ball on USC and they did not. Yeah. It's not Notre Dame versus Notre Dame every game. It's Notre Dame versus an opponent and the opponent has some say in, in how the game unfolds. It, It will it be boom or bust against Wake Forest. Hell no. Stanford. Hell no. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about games where Notre Dame's much better than a team. You know, I want. No, I know, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm answering the question of, yeah, Ohio State will probably be a struggle. Pittsburgh will probably be a struggle. Duke could be because Mike Elko's a. It's it's the game. It's athletic competition. It's the way it goes. It ebbs and flows, and it, you know, it ebbs at times when you don't want it to. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Next from Mel 12170. How do you feel about the way Coach Parker was able to make adjustments to get the offense going? And this is good because Tim, you can bring up the unbalanced line. We really haven't gotten to on this particular. Yeah, I mean, show. I think I think it took a while. You know, they they tried to well when you're when the right side of your offensive line gets overrun on the first play, and then they have pressure up the middle, you're not going to have a whole lot of success. It it wasn't until, you know, then they tried second drive, they tried to get a like a like a slip screen kind of thing to Jaden yeah. Thomas. They blew that up. Uh, tried to get the ball to, to uh, uh, what did I say? Jaden Greathouse. Jaden Greathouse twice got run. He got past stuffed twice. That's a weird thing to right, happen. Right. Yeah. He did. Jaden Thomas. They tried to get the ball to, at that point, the guy that's been your most consistent receiver and couldn't, couldn't do that. Then the third series, Tim, you called the play. It was third and third and long. And it was, much like my Davis Sherwood call yeah. it was. You could see drop eight coming. If I see drop eight coming, Sam Hartman's going to see drop eight coming. Yeah. And that was, that ended up being, I don't know if they checked to it, but that was a design draw and it was, it, those seas parted and boy, they needed it because that would have been another three and out and another punt deep in territory. And then they inserted the, un, the unbalanced with, they, they, they took, it was interesting to watch, you know, you don't see it again from the press box. You don't see all that, but I'm looking for it now when I'm watching the TV version of it and, they, they're in the huddle and they line up like they usually do. But then you see Joe Alt pop over to the right side and he's the farthest of the tackles with Blake Fisher next to him and then Rocco Spindler. And then uh, with Corral at center, you had to the left of him, Coogan and a tight end. And then in the backfield, you had um, you had Estime and Sherwood or sometimes they had stays instead of Sherwood. And it, it worked a lot. They had a ton of success with it. There was they're just you know, NC State didn't ever fully adapt to it because they just didn't have enough bodies. They didn't have enough hats on hats when Notre Dame went unbalanced. So, and then, then, then what that does is you go back to some of your more conventional stuff. And now you've got the defense reeling a little bit and thinking, 
And that's ultimately, I think that's all ultimately how Jared Parker and we, you know, having that number 10, a quarterback, were able to create 456 yards. And, and again, 417 of that and 42 points after the weather delay. To me, that shows an extremely good job of coaching and making some adjustments during that time and then coming out and finding stuff to work and finding stuff to consistently uh, give your offense chances for scores. Mel 12170 actually ruined my one of my Monday musings, so I'm going to say it here as well. The definition of coaching adjustments is when you're able to score six touchdowns when you have six three and outs throughout the game because yeah. you're finding a way around what you can't do to score six touchdowns. That's that is, I, I mean, that is the greatest testament to Jared Parker. Uh, and, 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 and to me, the offensive line too, you know, I mean, okay. So you came out unbalanced and they weren't prepared for it. Well, you kicked their ass when you came out in it. So right, right. there, there are good things happening. And I, you know, to, it'd be interesting, Tim, to go see what opponents, how many three and outs the NC state defense averages per game, because I'm sure it's a fairly high number. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Never, and of course, Notre Dame made a lot of three and outs for NC State as well. That was crucial. And when they didn't, it was a turnover. It was even better. Dallas Irish 83. How do you assess the offensive line play so far? We've walked over this a little bit, but there's one more to throw in, I think. Offensive production would not be possible without solid line play, but it also seems underperforming in some sense. I think it's a underperforming in some sense. The way I feel is because there's stuffs and three and three, three and outs are the thing to say. There, even Tennessee State was getting through there and getting some tackles for loss and stuffs early on. We we're like, Really? You have to do that? And that that's why I think it seems like it's underperforming. Yeah, you do have a couple of young guards there. You know, and if Fisher is not a hundred percent, I'm sure opponents know that. Yeah, by now they would. He'd not play great against Tennessee State, not play well against Tennessee State either. Yeah, I think Corral is has become a, a veteran good center, but when you don't move your feet and a safety blitzes, he's going to run right by you. You know, I, it, look, there uh, there are a lot of snaps in a football game. I think Notre Dame is winning most of them, but you're going to lose some, and, and you're certainly going to lose more than normal against an NC State defense. Question from Play Like a Champ 7. How important of a game was this for Marcus Freeman in terms of showing growth as a head coach considering the environment, the weather delay, and the nature of those around the program to already be looking further ahead down the schedule? I don't think anybody was looking ahead at Notre Dame ahead of NC State because they 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 knew they were in for a battle. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it was an important game because it was a road test to continue the first quarter of the season undefeated to continue to show the positive growth by your players on the field, by the, the positive development by your players on the field, but that's also development for uh, Marcus Freeman and this coaching staff. I think we continue to see growth and development, particularly on the defensive side of the ball in terms of what they're able to do now in year two under Al Golden. I pointed this out, uh, as you guys know, Saturday night. That's nine wins in the last 10 games for Marcus Freeman and uh, Notre Dame this year through the first three games. And I know the competition is some different, but um, there was the Marshall slip up last year. Cal was not very good in Ohio State. They had 187 plays and 55 points through three games a year ago. They have 181 plays and 143 points through three games this year. And then lastly, I would say, I believe now that's 12 wins in the last 14 games for Marcus Freeman and the Irish. We are seeing Freeman growing into himself the same way that we're seeing Jared Parker grow and evolve uh, week after week with this offense. It's just that, that Freeman obviously is a little bit further along, but there's signs of encouragement in all of that. Tim, do you remember the theme of, Last summer, not this previous summer, but 2022 concerning Marcus Freeman that Irish Illustrated. Year number one will be Marcus Freeman's worst coaching yes. performance of his career because he's in his first year coaching a football team. If it's not, he's not going to become a very good coach. If if Marcus Freeman's worst year is year 7, 12, 14, he's coaching at a different level. He ha he was going to get better. He was always going to get better. Now, for, for non-Irish Illustrated subscribers, uh, my, my point after on Sunday dealt with this. I, I, I think that, and, I, and I, I felt this way last season, that, that the growth by Marcus Freeman on a regular basis, he is, he is intent on learning from the positives and negatives every time they go out. And I, and I you know, I, I, again, what to go, to go to NC State under those conditions and to, to fight through, 
you have the you have the uh, the the fumble by by Hartman, and they are 17 yards away from tying the game after you've been controlling this entire game. And what do they do? They get they they get a three and out, and and the out is the missed field goal, and then they take control of the game, and and uh, you know the sudden change, all the sudden change opportunities go Notre Dame's way. I I, I think that I the the way he talks about the game to me now is different. He's matured tremendously in a short period of time. Look, there are games against Ohio State and yeah. USC coming up, and if they don't win those games, we're not going to be talking about that. I I get that, but I but I really really. <laughs> think that we see and feel this on a daily basis that he's really growing into the position as head coach in Notre Dame and doing a, doing a nice job. And, and he's being relatively transparent in it. And how many coaches w- would voluntarily say, you know what, we'll change our practice plan from one day to the next. We'll cut three periods out or we'll cut 10 minutes off. We'll still get done what we need to get done. We're still going to go good on good. We're still probably going good on good more than some other teams in the country. And we're going unscripted in those settings because it's going to help our teams on Saturday. But then to share all of that uh, with with the media and with the general public and be willing to say, hey, I don't pretend that I've got a perfect plan every day. I need to listen to people. I need to adjust and I need to grow our football program. He's growing the Notre Dame football program. He's grown it in recruiting in the circles that they're recruiting in right now. And he's grown himself as a head coach. Two things. It's going to be sad when someday Marcus Freeman doesn't overshare with us in press conferences because it's enjoyable <laughs> to talk to a regular human being like it is right now. And number two, said this going into the year, we already knew Marcus Freeman could handle um, adversity after last year. Still has to handle success. That's the next step. And that's I'm it. not talking this week, so <laughs> no, you got to handle success. That'll be another hurdle. We're going to wrap up with a question from our Seth Cow, and that is, how much was John Bryce geeking to uncork all of those hot dog puns in his recap that uh, was on Irish Illustrated. Oh man, I didn't think I had too many. Just uh, maybe one in the headline, and then then closed it out with that. The rest of them were pretty pretty straightforward. That um, they they had to go to the concession stand to get some hot dogs, and the Notre Dame responded with great aplomb after the lengthy delay. But um, never let it be said that I will forego an opportunity for a good pun. <laughs> I live for those. I'm right John, there. I was disappointed it. you didn't work in anything about the chicken nuggets because those were awful. Jack, worst. <laughs> yeah, press chicken box chicken ever. nuggets, not good. We not all good. we all didn't gain weight because of it though. Sitting around eating salad instead in that delay. Oh, uh, they also had a wonderful white cake. <laughs> oh with, well, that that's not the same as the salads. <laughs> with, with red icing that got on my really nice, great sport coat. I'm in that sport coat mode here every week. I I, I didn't say anything to Marcus Freeman today, but. He looked sharp once again. There's it no would have been a little awkward had you this time, I think. There's yeah, that would have been a little weird. <laughs> that would have been weird. No, I wasn't going I wasn't going in anywhere near that. Well, we're going to come back on Thursday, September 4th. We didn't say a single word about Central Michigan, did we? JB, you did. You talked about their quarterback being athletic, and I've got some film to watch here between now and Thursday when we talk about uh, the Chippewas from Central Michigan, who put up a lot of points on Saturday but gave up a lot to New Hampshire and battled Michigan State early on defensively, but then couldn't do anything more offensively. Jim McElwain is their head coach. Marcus Freeman said he's looking forward to meeting him, and I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more about Central Michigan here in their first two games of the year. Until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, John Bryce, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.